Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Lord, we will find mercy and we will find grace. We will find help because we need you so much. And we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all that you are, for all that you do, for all that you want to do, for all you have planned for us, Father. You have a great, great, great plan for us. So we thank you for that great plan. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Everybody say, greater. He has greater for me. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to get back to our teaching from yesterday, come closer and be healed. We see examples here of people who needed something from God, but they couldn't get it where they were. You know, um, you can't get God from a distance. Uh, There is a process and there is a, a drawing near to him. That must be done. And, and I always look at the part that we have to do as the price that we have to pay. Uh, we know that Jesus paid full price for everything, but your faith will, will maybe cost you. You know, it, it, it costs you something to build your faith. Uh, it comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but you got to take time out to hear. You have to put something aside. Uh, you have to, to come, uh, in a seclusion with God. I like what he, what the prophet Elijah told, Elisha told the woman that had the, the pot of oil. He said, go into that room, shut you and your boys up in that room and begin to work the miracle. Amen. Don't let anybody else in. You don't need another opinion. You don't need, um, anybody looking on. You don't need any spectators. This is something private between you and God. And I think very often our miracle is something private between us and God. And and afterwards, if he wants you to share testimony, then so be it. But you don't need to have testimony on your mind at the time you're believing God to get you out of sickness or get you. I think that's the least thing most people are thinking about is, oh, I'm going to have a big testimony. Are you kidding me? By the time you get finished doing what you need to do and fasting and praying and believing and confessing and meditating and, you know, finding a new scrap of, of uh, faith to hang on to, uh, you could care less about that kind of stuff. And so this is how God gets glory. He gets glory if he decides he wants to use what you have, you know, to to glorify him. I'm always uh, drawn when when I look at, what Jesus would tell people about their miracle after they received it. You know, uh, some people he told, don't you tell anybody. Amen. In fact, I'm not sure about this, but I can only see one person that he ever told to go tell somebody. And that was the gathering demoniac. Remember, he wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said, Go back and tell your, go back to your house, to your family. And now that wasn't the first devil he cast out of anybody. He cast many devils out of many people. But my, my feeling is that if you look at where he was, I don't know why I'm going down this road. I was talking about coming closer. Well, he did come close to the Lord and get his healing. But, um, if you look at what he did, let me see where I can find that. I know it's in a couple places. 
bear with me. Maybe this is direction God wanted me to go here. At least I believe he does. Uh, which one is it? Okay, let me check and make sure. Because there are a couple of accounts, right? Mark 5. Let's see if. Yeah, this one will work. And see, this, this here to me it tells the story of, of why he, this man's case was different. Cause it looks like it's just a normal casting out of a devil or somebody. But it says, and they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, this man came up to Jesus to meet him. And what that tells me is he's the strong man of this area. See, they come to greet whoever's anointed. You got me? They, because they're there to protect that territory. So they will come and find you, try to hinder you, try to stop you from casting them out. Amen. He wasn't, he didn't ask Jesus anything. He said he came out to meet him and he had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not, he's a strong man. See, he has all power on that little region. So he runs things there. He says, because he had often, often normal people would come up and try to chain him down. He'd pick them apart. So he had all power. He had enough demons in here. He was commanding a legion of demons inside of him. And they ran that region. And he says, in no man could tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains, in tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he came and ran and worshipped him. Amen. And cried with a loud voice. Now the man is the one that wants the relief. The man part of him is the one that's crying and and asking for relief. The man part of him came and worshiped Jesus. But then the demons take over. Amen. And start running things again. So this is, this is typical of strong man activity. And he says, for when he said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit, what's your name? I'm legion, we're many, besought him that he would not send them away uh, to out of the country. So this demon wants to hang on to his territory. See, whenever you deal with a strong man, they'll fight and hiss and do everything to hold on to what they possess. So here he is crying not to come out because what happens? They go into dry places and they they are very much un uneasy there is a lot of unrest for them they prowl back and forth seeking to get back into where they came from and they don't like they like assignments they don't like wandering they don't like dry places they want to stay in a in a, a human being or an animal where they can stay active and they can stay uh working because they are assigned to work and to to command their territory to cause trouble for people to make people sick to make people crazy whatever that they they like being assigned apparently they don't like being dormant and they'll try and get back in where they came from 
And so what Jesus does here, and, and he sends them into the swine where he said he would, et cetera, et cetera. And, and says, verse 14, they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city, in the country. And they went out to see what was done when they came to Jesus to see him that was possessed with the devil and he had a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. They were afraid and they and they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed of the devil and also concerning the swine. They began to ask him to leave their coast. So the strong man still has a hold on this place. Not because people don't know this man's been delivered, but they don't have evidence that that's so. See, when you give your testimony, that's firm evidence that it happened. Because here's the delivered person. Here's the one that got benefit of the deliverance. Here's the one that's free now. He's the one that needs to give the testimony. The people running around town, it's just a rumor until there's evidence that it really, really happened. Amen. So what Jesus is doing when he says, and when he it says he was coming to the ship, he that was possessed with the devil asked him that he might go with him. In other words, he wants to follow. Somebody does you good, you want to go with them and keep receiving good. Amen. But Jesus tells him instead He said, don't come with me. Go home to your friends. Tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus has done for and all men did marvel. Now, before when everybody else was talking about it, when it was a rumor, they were scared and they asked Jesus to leave. Amen. So the strong man still has the demons that con- that are in that strong man under his authority still are running around doing what they like to do. And that's control the island. Until, and they're giving really what we call a false testimony about him. Because it's not the testimony Jesus usually has. See, usually people flock to him. Now people are asking him to leave. You got me? So that's not a good witness to leave behind. If you have a healing ministry, you want to get people healed so that there's a good witness behind you. And if it's, if you don't get them healed, then nobody's going to talk about you or they'll say you don't have the goods. And so Jesus needs to clean up this bad report that's being cast about him on this place. Because everywhere he goes, the goodness of God follows him and this is not a good report. So this is why Jesus tells him, I want you to stay here so they can see you now and see that God is good and see that he has delivered you. And you go and you tell everybody everywhere you go and get this cleaned up. Amen. They need to see evidence and see a witness. Amen. So then there's the, um, where is that episode? About him going back over there to Gadara. And then the people wanted to see him. They flocked around him the next time he came. After this man gives his testimony. Yep. The next time Jesus goes there, they love him. They want to see him coming. Amen. 
Why is that? Because this man gives a testimony. He cleans up the reputation of God on this island. People saw he was demon possessed. And now that the strong man has been dethroned and God's testimony is ruling in that area, people now are in their right minds. They want more of God. They want to see God. They want him to do what he usually does. I'll be able to find that at some point and, and let you guys see that. But but he did make another trip over to Decapolis. Amen. And the people came to see him in large numbers and to hear his word and to understand. So Jesus apparently either tells people to give their testimony or tells them not to give their testimony, depending upon what's needed in that area. Amen. And what's needed for that individual. For instance, that young man that he healed of blindness, they they put him his they want to put his parents out the synagogue he was walking around the synagogue and they were looking to take his his testimony away from him or talk him out of his healing see there's a place where you can go and blab about stuff and enough people um uh contest you and and tell you you're not hearing from god and tell you that's not true you'll lose your faith in what you already think you believe so it's a good thing to hold your peace. Some things, like Mary, pondered things in her heart. She didn't tell anybody anything. They were too marvelous to share. And she had the wisdom to know, uh-uh, I'm not letting anybody steal this from me. I'm holding on to this. Amen. And so there is a time to to share your testimony. There's a time to let it soak in so that it becomes real to you. And you can hang on to it. Because the enemy is waiting to steal what it is that God has given you. Amen. He's always waiting to take something. that, And if you have it, but you don't have it secure on the inside of you. You don't have it firm on the inside of you. You know, he can easily bring up a new symptom or easily bring up something. Amen. Your house is not... It's swept clean and garnished, but it's not filled with with the word of God. It's not busy with Holy Ghost activity. And so what you need is to establish Holy Ghost activity. If you can walk in something that God's given you long enough, it'll get established in you. For instance, people who would get off pills and stuff like that. Did you find that one? Okay, Mark 7.31. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, so here we have, it says here, and again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came to the Sea of Galilee through the midst of coast of Decapolis. And they brought to him one that was deaf, had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers into his heel, ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he said, be open. Straight away his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake again. And they charged him that he should tell no man, but the more he charged, the more he published it. And they were beyond measure astonished, saying, he has great done great things. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Praise God. That's what you, but there's another one somewhere. I, I'm going to find it, though, uh, later. But they were talking about how glad the people were to see him when he stepped out of that boat. Totally different from what had happened to him uh, the first time. So praise God. Praise God. Amen. So anyway, um, 
God wants us to to get what we need from him, to seek him until we receive what it is we need from him. But there is a time, I call it, where your, your, your healing has to get settled. What it is that you're called to do needs to get settled. And it, it needs to be strengthened on the inside of you so that it can last. You want whatever it is God is doing for you to last. You don't want it to come and go. Amen. We have enough come and go in the natural. You know, in the world you have all that stuff. But God wants whatever he does, it lasts forever. And he wants it to last forever. And so, um, you know, when you understand what it is that needs to be done so that you can come closer to the Lord, you can receive what you need from him, then do that thing. And and don't do anything else but that. Many times we're looking for a quick fix and we'll go and and try one thing and then try something else and we know we're just trying stuff, you know, just be honest. You you ain't sure it's gonna work. You're hoping you got more hope than you do faith. And see, faith is always a sure thing. It's always based on the word. Your faith will always lead you to the point of your manifestation. It can't fail. See, it cannot fail. Whenever you walk by faith, it will lead you to the point of manifestation. That's what faith is for. Amen? Is to cause things to be real. The Holy Spirit is a manifester of the promises of God. He manifests the word. Amen. Uh, in First Corinthians, I think it's uh, 10, where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. It calls them the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, we like gifts better. That's a common word to, to say. But when you think about it, the Holy Spirit does cause to manifest or come into the material realm all the word of God. So before uh, the Holy Spirit gets involved, it's a word on a piece of paper and it makes you feel good to read it. Amen. That's how we first work with the word of God. And then we think, boy, if, if that could ever happen to me. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work and show you that it will. Amen. That it will come to pass. But you got to believe you have it now. See, and that's where most people kind of miss it or kind of overlook it or we'll, we'll say that a little bit. You know, the worst thing you can do with anything spiritual is try and examine it in the natural. Because many times the when you make a faith statement about something, it's not going to sound right to your natural man. So you might as well forget him. But one sometimes we'll say, oh, I'm healed. I, I, I have my healing now. And then we'll wait and, and wait to... What are you waiting for? You're waiting to see how that sounds to your flesh. You're going to measure it according to what your carnal man is able to receive. But really, he can't, he's going to fight whatever it is that God has for you. The fight is always within us. It's never, it's not them people. It's not them haters. It's not, you know, anybody else you think is mad at you or whatever. You know, it's never flesh and blood. It's always a spiritual force masquerading as flesh and blood. And so you got to fight all spiritual forces with the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit wants to manifest God's word to you in every area of your life. 
that's what he is. He's a manifester. Amen. The manifestation is given to all men. Severally as the spirit wills. So it's the spirit you got to find out is the spirit willing. Well, he's always willing to manifest the word. He's never unwilling to do what the word of God says. So once you understand that, all you got to do is cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let him just get out his way and let him manifest the word of God. The way he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, as much as he wants to. When when the Bible says God God gives in abundance, he really means that. And then we cut it off and say, oh, well, you know, I, I just need that. But, you know, I don't know about all that. Well, you don't know about it because you won't let yourself rest in it. It's going to make you nervous a little bit when you first understand what God has for you. Amen. It's going to make you a little uneasy. But you keep meditating on that. Keep building it up in, in your spirit, man. Keep letting your spirit, man, feast on the word of God. And he'll convert your crazy soul or make it move out the way or just blow your mind or tell you go sit down somewhere. Amen. And get out the way and let me do this. Amen. I did the, you know, he don't need no hindering spirits and no hindering thoughts. So he don't need us hindrances to, to help him with anything. So, so people, uh, uh, that you see received in the word of God, change their position they changed from a distant position and they came closer to the lord in order to receive what they had even when people were had great faith you know that kind of stuff god jesus would call them out and tell them to come up here bartimaeus was one person like that or where he he began to call jesus and and jesus tell him come down come here let me know what you want he's interested in us this is not like some slot machine where you put your faith in and pull the lever and your blessing comes out. Jesus is a person. He wants to know how we're doing. Amen. If you ain't doing good, he's the one you tell. Amen. He's the main one you should inform of your doings. Are they good or are they not good? You don't have to fix up your confession to talk to God. You know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. Now, those those things are good to put your thoughts into a nice organized form. You know, seven steps to to your miracle or five steps to this and that. It's good to have those things in mind. You know, you know, keep them in your thoughts. And but once you get before God, He wants a conversation. He doesn't want a step. And he doesn't want a formula. He wants a conversation. And so many times if you will pour out what's in your heart to him, you can get rid of a lot of unbelief, a lot of, you know, fear and all of the things that maybe would hinder your answer. You ever, you ever think about the fact that once, when something's inside your mind, it can be big and intimidating, but once you speak it out, it's kind of like, it doesn't sound the same as it does when it was, when it was inside your head tormenting you and you couldn't get rid of it. It was the biggest thing. 
You know, I, the this has happened to me uh, in the past. And in, in, I used to to work in in psychiatry. I was a I was a worker and a patient. This was when I was a worker, not a patient. Okay. But when I worked in psychiatry, we would often talk to people, and sometimes people would would not say they their conversation would dance around what the real problem was you know you could tell by they what they danced around what they weren't saying you know so you kind of try to get them it's better if they say it if you say it it's an accusation to them and they can fight you off but you get them to say it then you know it's out there and i can remember many times people would say things and and you know they thought this was the worst thing in the world the biggest thing in the world and once they got it out there they said well I said, well, you know, I realize now that wasn't such the worst. I realize now it's, I can do something about that or it's not as bad. It, it sounded worse in here than it did out there. I would have people come to that realization. And that's why our confession is important. Sometimes you'll want to avoid people because you didn't have a good interaction with them the last time. And then you get around them and you say, you know, I've been thinking about the last time we spoke and I'm so sorry if, if that offended you. You know, I, I don't have an excuse. It's good not to have an excuse. Just put it out there and then please forgive me. And once you get that out, like while you were thinking about it, you dreaded doing, oh, I don't want to do it. it sounds so bad. Oh, no, no, no. And then once the confession is made, it's like something happened in the atmosphere that either neutralized it made it not as bad or finally you get relief from it it's over with and it doesn't matter what that person thinks like before when it was in your head you were dreading it you were afraid of you not sure what but the most important thing you were afraid was how that person would take it and i've got to admit to them now you know what i'm saying and all of that but once it gets out it's kind of harmless after a while it doesn't it's there it, there's no sting to it there's no hurt to it it's out there to be dealt with and 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 that's very very true um i sometimes i watch the cop shows still i don't watch them as much anymore I, since the covid i've had to dedicate myself a whole lot more to the word i just confess it but uh you know i would watch them in in the way they would talk to people and interrogate them and most people felt better if after they confessed. You never had a person say, well, I'm, I feel lousy now that I said that. Most people felt better. You know, if, if they didn't say it, you could see it on their faces. You could tell that there was a relief there. And many of them did confess that they felt better. See, and, and you felt better because now the door of hope opens up to you. See, once you confess, the door of hope opens up to you where it was closed before. You got me? It's very, very important we understand the interaction between our confession, our admission, forgiveness, and hope. Because when hope comes to you, that gives your faith something to work on. So really, that's how we get from from one place to another with God. Once you confess and you get that straight, to confess really means to say together with. So you say together with God, God, your word says what I did was wrong and I confess that I did that and it was wrong. 
and forget that's such those that's such everyday stuff. Because every day we have an errant thought, every day we're focusing on something we got no business for. Every day we put off reading our word until it's late at night. Every day there's something, amen. And so it, it's good to come to God and come into agreement. That no, that's not what he wanted you to do with your day. And no, that's not going to benefit you. But let's get it out here in the open and I can forgive you. And then you can be cleansed and you don't have that guilt anymore. You don't have that hanging over you. You don't have the door blocked to you because you don't think you're worthy to go through it. You get rid of all that garbage in one operation. And then you can go forward in God. It's amazing what it'll do. But one thing I know forgiveness does, forgiveness from God does, is opens the door of hope for you. It opens the door to hope in relationships. It opens the door of hope in in uh, careers and all of that. If you can get a clean slate, you know. Uh, young people, when they go to college, they wish they could get rid of their freshman year. You know? all the C's and the D's and the probation and all of that kind of stuff. They wish they could erase it, but that thing follows you. Amen. There's no forgiveness in some areas. But boy, think if somebody could say, well, we'll just forget that year. Let's start all all over again. We realize you had an off off year that year. You know, then you have hope. You say, oh boy, I can finish with a decent grade point average now. They'll forgive me of my goofed up year. Amen. You don't get that in the world. You just don't. You pay the penalty and you keep going. You only get that in God's kingdom. Amen. God's kingdom. God can cause a, 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 a computer crash and all your past records are gone. You know what I'm saying? He, he can do it. But many times God knows we'd be better off to work harder. So that we can do our best. Amen. So that applies as well. But, but with, with our healing, the distance that we have from God is, is oftentimes the hold up in what we need from Him. I don't care what it is you need. Distance versus closeness. James 4, 8 tells us, draw nigh to Him. He will draw nigh to us. He reciprocates. Amen. If you break the silence and you break your stiffness and your fear and you reach out to God, he will respond to you in the same way that you reach out to him. So he will receive you. He will draw near to you. Amen. Uh, I was reading Esther recently and, and noticing that uh, she was she was asking, uh, you know, if it pleased the king. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, we taught for years the similarities between Esther and our life as believers. You know, we want to please King Jesus and all that. But but I was thinking, I said, you know what? Sometimes we need to stop and say, Lord, if my faith pleases you, if my faith please the king, let me come closer. Amen. And I believe that's really what we need to do is just allow our faith to draw us closer to him. Because that's what it did in all of these situations where you saw people got good results from the woman with the issue of blood. She got a good result because her faith allowed her to draw closer to the king. Amen. Her faith allowed her to, and and really her faith was calling the shots as far as what she needed to do. That's the other thing. 
we can't just assume that we're okay with God. We've got to get that confirmation from Him, get that peace uh, between us and Him, get that confidence in Him. And how do you get that confidence? By building up your faith in the Word. You just stay in the Word. You just allow that Word to minister to you uh, in a way that it, it makes everything real. I think sometimes we 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 get a lot of revelation and instruction um, and don't hold on to it. You ever notice that when you really don't feel good? I mean really you got pain somewhere, you you're limited, you want to stay in the bed, blah blah blah. What's the first thing we do? Or people that really know God and want to get healed. You go find you a good Healing scripture, put it on, listen to it, don't turn on the TV, don't turn, put your phone aside. You definitely don't use whatever device, you know, the, the phone is the, cause see what you'll do is turn that off after a while and go fishing on the phone on Facebook or something stupid like that. But when you really need to get healed fast and get up out of that bed, you shut down everything and you put only on uh, something with scripture for what you do. You focus in. You zero in. You're like laser focused on it. Think what would happen if we did that every day. Think what would happen if you got laser focused on what you needed and you drew that that strength from the word only. You shut everything else down. You don't have any other distractions coming in. You give it your 100% undivided attention. Think what would happen if you did that every day. And I'm not talking about much every day. Two hours. You know, maybe three. And, And just let yourself, when you wake up in the morning, put that thing on. You know, while you're... Brushing your teeth or whatever. That's enough of a distraction. Amen. Sit on the side of the bed. Let yourself, your feet dangle for a little bit. And and then when you get another break during the day, if you can't do it two hours in a row, you get another break during the day, you take another half hour. You see what I'm saying? You finish that that message up. Let that, whoever's ministering that faith message, let that message permeate you. And let it get on the inside of you. You know, you'll find out, you'll listen and hear things. You say, I listened to this tape at least 15 or 20 times, and this is the first time I heard. Huh? Because it really, you if you don't give it your undivided attention, you're going to miss some things. You know, you'll miss some gems. You're going to miss something that's really, really important building block for your faith. But think if we did that every day, answers would come to us quickly. We wouldn't have to labor over things. Our words would begin to speak out what God has for us every day. You wake up in the morning, you get that word in you, and you start prophesying throughout the day what's going to happen. And you watch God do it over and over and over again. Why? Because your words have have created a path for you. They've created a, a, a situation that can't be negated, that can't be broken down. If you just have that... That continual infusion of faith through hearing the word of God. Amen. At nighttime, instead of falling in the bed when you're totally sleepy, which we all do, I'm guilty too. Go fall in there when you, you know, just to rest and put some word on. 
and let that, well, I guarantee you, when that word started getting real good, you gonna go to sleep. Huh? Isn't that true? We all know that's the sleeping pill. Uh, you don't need nothing besides that. But start getting some of that word in there when you wide awake. Amen. Don't be dependent on the Holy Spirit to do all the listening and note taking. Holy, Holy Ghost, I'm signing on out. Take some notes for me. No, you gotta let your carnal man mind hear that word. Break that thing down so it's not so strong and unbelief and fear. Amen. Sometimes you'll have things the devil hits you so quick with stuff you think it's never gonna end. Amen. And then one day when it does end, you're very shocked that God finally came through for you. <laughs> it's just that way. Life is that way. Don't feel condemned. Everybody goes through that. Amen. <laughs> but the, the whole gist of it is, is to seek God. Come closer. Be his friend. Know that he's your friend. When you're in trouble, he's not against you. He's for you. Amen. He's definitely most more so for you in times of trouble. Bible says he's present in your trouble. Amen. And so when you when you have those difficult times, he is just right there with you, waiting for you to call on him and let him have it so he can bring the answer to you. Amen. So um anyway, uh we'll go through a couple of examples and, and just look at them so we can see how Jesus worked with people when they came close. So we did the woman with the issue of blood yesterday and her her example was pretty clear cut. I mean hers was straightforward. Hers was no doubt this is going to work. Amen. If I can but touch the hem. In other words, her 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 understanding of who Jesus was brought him to more of a human where she could appreciate him as a human being just like her she began to identify that this is somebody that is holy and and powerful righteous he's a holy man he's a prophet of god he's a servant of god but also he's a loving priest and he has a human side to him that that makes him more approachable see i think we need to make god more approachable for us because if we keep him in a place where it he's just one dimensional power you don't know what he's going to do with that power you understand what i'm saying if it's for you or against you and so it's good to keep and i'm not talking about being casual with god that's not it at all but being being just resting in the truth about him jesus stripped himself of all of his kingly authority and power and you know found himself in a human tent you know fashioned as a man and so as a man he had to to you know have the limitations of a physical body at times there are times where he didn't have limitations if the holy spirit moved on him he was transported out of danger into a secure environment all that kind of stuff but but he was basically a man we know that because the disciples saw him basically as a man 
And, and, but every now and then they would look at him and he would do something that got their attention that, wow, what kind of man is this? But he was still a man. See what I'm saying? And so this, this woman with the issue of blood had to see Jesus in a light that let her know that he was, he identified with her. He had compassion on her. He, he walked in a, a human body. So he, he could know what it was like to, to maybe like have the body not feeling as good, to need rest, to need food, to need all of those things. And so her image of him began to put him in a place where she felt she could approach him. But the law of Moses kept her from touching him physically. And so what she did know is she was smart enough about the law she knew that the hem of the robe of a priest had the word in it. Amen. Because they had those uh, uh, tassels on the bottom. They also tied scripture to those. They call them phylacteries. And um, they would tie scripture there to remind themselves. You, you, you're talking about people who did not have the Holy Ghost in them like we do. And we're in enough trouble with the Holy Ghost in us walking away from the word amen so they needed reminders all the time you know the their eating uh restrictions or or rules their rules for their food didn't have anything to do with the value of the food you know, the, you got people running around, with, I'm gonna get the biblical diet and I'm gonna do, cause what's in the Bible, it had nothing to do with the value of the food. It made you think before you ate something about God to bless that food and then eat it. Because we know this is true because later when, when God showed Peter that, that the fishing net that contained all kinds of clean and unclean. If there was a division between clean and unclean, why did Noah bring all of them on the boat? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's not just take this stuff so literally. Because, and then Jesus said, nothing to be refused. Paul said, the only restriction I'm going to put on you is that you not eat meat offered to idols. It's the God that that meat represents more than the meat. We're never encouraged to eat excessively or drink excessively. That's just common sense. When you eat too much, what happens? You hurt. Huh? Why would we hurt? And then we run around most of the time trying to get rid of pain. (laughs) Amen. But but the food, God gave them restrictions so that they would think about him before they ate anything. They wouldn't wind up getting involved in eating the king's meat and eating things sacrificed to idols. See what I'm saying? Always, it, everything that he gave them was to draw them back to him. Amen? It, it wasn't, you know, pork is good. I don't know what y'all, where y'all live, but... I feel like all everything is acceptable, nothing to be refused. You put a pork chop on my plate and see what happens to it. Huh? Am I right, Poppy? We bless that pork and throw it down in the name of Jesus and be thankful for it. 
you know, people want to teach, preachers now want to teach on supplements and diets and all that stuff. And, well, you know, that the first sin that man did was over food. That was not about food. Eve wasn't being a glutton when she ate from that tree. She was being disobedient. That was the wrong tree to eat from. It was not about food. Maybe in your little mind, your problems are about food, but don't put them over on me. I got enough stuff to deal with without you adding that to the the pile. My goodness. They want to heap burdens on you. They don't even, whatever. Craziness, crazy. You mean they don't have enough word to preach? Now they got to go over preaching on? It's crazy. Now the only thing that's really wrong is, is excessiveness. And, and the Holy Spirit is the fruit of self-control. That's why we have self-control. To stay out of excessiveness. I've been excessive in my life. I confess. Amen. Everybody's going to step over the line about something. Trust me. Praise God. You know, you can put right things in your body and hate people. That ain't right. It is true. It's nonsense. If we could just get back to God, we so much better. Amen. So, your faith will always speak to you the conditions of your healing. What do you need to do to be healed? Your faith will lead you in that direction. Sometimes your faith will speak and sometimes you'll just be led. Sometimes you'll be both. But your faith will get you there. Amen. So we said the woman with the issue of blood said, if I could but touch his him, I shall be made whole. That is a definitive statement. It set a condition. It set a time. It set everything for her to definitely get it right then and right there. That's what you need from God. You need a definite get it right then and right there situation. And you can't make it up. You've got to get it from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he will give it to you. He gives it to everybody. Because when you when you hold on to your faith, you will get the manifestation of that promise. Amen. The total manifestation. You'll get it in the natural. You'll get it in the you get it in the spirit first. Because the Bible says that when she touched him, she knew within herself that she was healed. She didn't know outside yet. She knew within. How did she know within? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't satisfied until she got to the place of manifestation and then she knew. She knew within that she was going to get it and how she was going to get it. And then when she got it, she knew in the same place that told her where to go to get it, that she got it. You got me? It's within. So you'll know you're healed on the inside before you will on the outside. Sometimes we don't pay as much attention to the inside. Amen. As we do the outside. And and that's true for everybody. We all want things to go away. We all want to get Better. We all want to look better. We all want to feel better. We all want it very, very badly. But very often, and, and this is true about healing from God and healing by the word, you'll know inside before it happens outside. 
Now, you can know inside but not walk in that knowing all the time. You understand what I'm saying? Like, for instance, when you first pray and you first seek God and you you get this uh, knowing or a peace on the inside, a victory on the inside, you'll feel rejoicing on the inside, not in your flesh, on the inside. You know, it's such a blessing to me to be spirit-filled. Because if you look at your average not spirit-filled person or denomination, they, they are so much moved on outer things. The shout, the jump, the run around the church, the dance, the holy dance. And then they come back and they're not changed. They'll, they'll go from, from sick to sicker. To the wheelchair because they're trying to experience God on the outer and not the inner. See, the inner won't always have a jump and run it around thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? When God begins to speak to you and he begins to put his life on the inside of you, you'll have signs of life, but they're not always the same as other people. Amen. So you can know on the inside and, and it, it, the, the, the timing of it won't be as accurate, I guess, on the inside. It's like with, with the, 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 uh, girl Rhoda that went to the, you know, Peter, Peter was in jail and they were in there praying for him. Somebody must have got some, some, lifting of that burden for prayer to know that it was accomplished you know i mean when you pray for things if what we call you have to pray through or you have to you know faith isn't developed there's an obstacle like a roman guard holding him hostage you got to pray that burden that roman guard out the way so that peter can get out of there and you would think somebody in there got that you understand for him to be released but when she came to the the door, she slammed the door in his face because she thought it was his spirit. And most of the people inside that was praying felt the same way. But somebody in there, you can't tell me somebody didn't get that release on the inside of them. And that joy, sometimes I experience it sometimes as a, a joy, a laugh, or something like that will come to you on the inside of you. Well, then you walk away in the flesh or you walk away paying attention to natural things and you forget you had that deposit. So that's why it's very common for when it manifests in the natural, you don't recognize it too well. But something on the inside of you knows that you got it. It may be, you may be aware of it. And then there are times you're not aware of it. What causes us to doubt when we're believing God for something? Then you go through a day and I don't know when it's going to happen. I just wish it would happen so fast. But you received it already months ago, weeks ago. Then when you were in worship, you felt even better about it the last time. You felt all the things. And then all of a sudden you down in the dumps and you don't know what happened. God, when did you go up? Just remember. You believe you received it when you prayed (laughs) and you still have it. No matter what your crazy head is telling you, 
no matter what your body is telling you, you received it already. Amen. And you still have it. It hasn't gone anywhere. So don't get your mouth in gear to talk doubt. Don't get your mouth in gear to talk fear. Don't get your mouth in gear to talk anything. Remind yourself you have it. Amen. And that's what the woman with the issue of blood, she knew within herself that she was healed. Amen. One account says she knew she was healed. But if if she's been following that radar, Holy Ghost radar on the inside of her, and it's telling her, okay, get I, he's over here at this meeting today. Get up and go over there right now. Don't let anything stop you. When you see that crowd, you move in that crowd and just stay hang back until I tell you to start pressing forward. So hang back, hang back, hang back, hang back. Okay, drop down, roll around, and touch. Because <laughs> that's what she did. She hit the ground because she couldn't be seen touching him. So in order for her peace for her faith to work, she could not be seen touching him. Why? Because she was programmed to think unclean. She was programmed to think the law. And would the Holy Spirit say, well, now listen, that's old-fashioned. You don't have... He went along with it. He said, okay, I got something that will work for you. You want to obey the law too? Cool. We can work that out. But you still got to touch him. You must get close enough to him to get power out of him. Amen. Just like us with our steps. Oh, five steps to healing. I'm in step seven, ten, twenty-two. Where's it going to happen? God will let you keep your five steps. But he also will tell you, okay, you did the steps. Now talk to me. Huh? Talk to me so I can school you and tell you exactly how we going to get this done. Amen. You're never alone when you're pursuing the things of God. You all, you got more company, backup, counsel, power than you know. God is not against you. He is for you 100%. He wants to give it to you. He delights in give it to you. He'll, it'll make him happy. I was going to just say, just so you not to whine every day. It'll make him happy to have you receive it. Amen. Amen. And he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy, to be fulfilled. And he's not here to make it hard for us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's here to ease the burden. If we could just remember that, if I could remember that, I'll sit there and go through my mind. I wonder what's wrong. What do I need to do? And I'll go, pow. Okay, we're done with that. Put your, put your head under the shower. Amen. We're done with that. It's, you know, this is our struggle sometimes. Amen. You just, you struggle. So you struggle, but you get there. Amen. The important thing is that you get there. Amen. Is living for God is like, like being in a ship. Amen. That's wrecking like Paul's ship that he was on. Is it some swam, some were on board, some were if we fragments of the boat, but we all got ashore. Amen. That's the important thing that you get ashore. Faith ain't always purdy. Huh? But it gets the job done. Amen. You might be snorting and snotting and crying and wiping everything and 
and and begging and pleading and everything else, but you get the job done. Amen. That's all that's important. Amen. I don't know why where all these pretty dressed up ministers come from that that's another thing. I like to dress up too, but there's a time for everything. <laughs> you need to get hard down and dirty and get in the mud. You gotta do that. Sometimes you gotta wrestle the devil to get what you need. Amen. I'm no queen, but I belong to the king. Amen. <laughs> I belong to the king. And I'm just trying to please him. So, in Mark chapter 2, we'll go there. It is necessary to get close to verse 1. And again, he, meaning Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house and right away, amen, right away many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. Amen. So this, this meeting blew up immediately. Amen. There, there are people who are paying, ministers are paying other ministers to teach them church growth. They would give anything to have a meeting blow up like this. And all Jesus is doing is obeying the Father. <laughs> it's so simple. What has God told you to do? Go do it. Amen. And if he wants it to blow up, it'll blow up. If he don't want it to blow up, it won't. So it, it, there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. So the door is jammed. And he preached the word to them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was carried by four. And when they could not come near to him for the press, they shook their heads and cried and went away empty-handed. No, they did not, because your faith won't let you do that. Your faith has no cry and disappointment attached to it. Amen. Your faith is what is compelling you to do this, to do that, to do that, to do that, and to keep doing it. Amen? The, the faith is, is the keep doing. The faith is not try it one time and then get it mad and go away empty handed. The faith is keep doing. I must say it again. The faith is keep doing and not get tired. Amen? Because if you're putting forth effort, eventually it will pay off. God won't let you keep doing something. You know, if it's totally wrong, he'll tap you on your shoulder and tell you, hey girl, you know what, <laughs> let's not do this anymore. <laughs> but generally, what the way we express our faith is sufficient for God. You know, as long as we're acting out the word, as long as we're, as long as you're speaking the word, as long as you're, uh, doing what the word says, as long as you're worshiping God, that is so important. As long as you're thankful, don't let yourself get frustrated when you, you, you're doing, I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I should be doing this. Don't change. You don't change horses in the middle of a race. You stay on the, you ride that horse out. Amen. 
You just keep doing it. And this is what the enemy does to get us to quit on our faith. All of a sudden, he got a new horse for you to ride. Amen? <laughs> Unless that that horse has died on you and you can't beat it back into life, then you get another one. Amen? Am I right, Poppy? When the horse dies, you get another one. Amen? If you, you beat it to death and it won't come back to life, <laughs> you beating a dead horse. Huh? But seldom are we doing that when we're using our faith. Amen. Sometimes God does want you to switch, but he'll, he'll give you something that's alive. You'll know it's alive. Amen. Cause there'll be a change. And so here they are. They, they find this man. They can't get in the door, but their faith won't let them go home. We said, nope, brother, we ain't taking you home. We done, we went through too much trouble to get you here. We're going all the way. Amen. They know they're not close enough to Jesus. He doesn't even know they're there. So they've got to get his attention first. They got to find out if they can, can get close enough to him. And it says they, 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 when they had, they uncovered the roof where he was. So it looks like they have straw and stuff on top of the house or tile roof. And it says, when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. They got him to Jesus. And when Jesus saw what? Yeah. He wasn't looking at how sick that guy was. He wasn't looking at what color he was. He wasn't looking at how much scripture he knew. Or whether he thought he was worthy, he was looking for faith. How did he see their faith? What did Jesus see? Well, what did they do? Well, when they broke up the roof, he said, oh, (laughs) really? Come on here and get your healing. Huh? We done towed this place up. Now it's time for you to get healed. Amen. Amen. See, when he sees, we don't quit. The only thing that can stop you from what God's promised you is you quit. Because your faith is still there. Your faith can be acted upon anytime you want. There's no expiration date on your miracle. There's no expiration date on your blessing. There's no expiration date on whatever God's promised you. Amen. As long as you do it God's way. Amen. You can't go through another door and try to get what God's promised you. You gotta, you gotta go the way of faith. Amen. If you're going the way of sight, you're gonna get into some trouble. You may not get what God has for you. Amen. If you can see it, feel it, touch you, you better leave it alone. Ow! Pastor Barb, don't be so mean. I wanna see stuff. Yeah, I do too. But when you start seeing stuff, it's called coveting. You can't do that. Huh? You gotta trust the inner witness. You gotta trust the inner leading. Is, is God leading you to that? Or you just see it and it's gonna make your life easier. Come on now. There is a big difference. It's a big difference. Amen. So a lot of people that go to, you know, Mexico for a, a healing because they've seen on television somebody can pull something out of you and get all your cancer out. 
and they go down there and die instead of trusting the word. Amen. If you're a Christian, you should be trusting the word. You don't trust all these crazy medicinal things and, you know, all these so-called healers and all this kind of nonsense. You trust the word. Amen. You don't look and try to see what looks like it's working. You have to go by what's on inside. Amen. Even these people who weren't born again. In Jesus' time, there was a, a, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, apparently, because many, many people got healed. But they got healed the same way everybody else did, by believing what they heard. And that's what we get healed by, by believing what we heard. Amen? Amen. So, so God is there to help us and do these things. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. See, when this is, if, if you stay distant from God, there's a problem there. When he drew near, Jesus said, oh, okay, you, you're trusting me to forgive your sins. So he let him know his sins because that was what was keeping him back. That's what was keeping him sick. If it weren't, Jesus would not have mentioned it. He only mentions things that are relevant. The Pharisees were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why is he speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? They think nothing about this man getting ready to get up off this cotton walk. You know, stay focused on what's important. When you're dealing with things of the spirit, just stay focused on the important stuff. Amen. It, it don't matter how, how, you know, you're dressed up or not dressed up. Amen. Or what, whatever. <laughs> We stay important. We, we try to keep the focus on important things. You know, that's why you have cloths that cover people up at the altar. <laughs> Somebody might not have worn the right dress to get healed in. It happens more often than not. Amen. It says immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit. So Jesus is able to handle a lot of things at one time. Amen. My suggestion to those of us who are, you know, just mere mortals, born again, doing the best we can, just stay focused on the person you're trying to get healed at the altar. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. Because they messed up. They tore up from the flow up. They crazy, confused people. You could go down the aisle and straighten everybody out to some degree. But stay focused on getting that person what they need. And he said, why do you reason these things in your hearts, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But I said that so that everybody can know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Amen. We have that power. And he said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go your own way to your house in order to satisfy the religious. Amen. So God knows how to satisfy. And Jesus really is trying to minister to these people to bring truth to them. That's a compassion move. That's not just I'm trying to get them told mood. You understand what I'm saying? He That's a compassion move. When he takes time out to explain to people who are looking on what's going on. Amen. That's a compassion move. Amen. It just is. So, okay, so that's the man carried by his four bros. Amen. He had to get closer in order to get healed. 
In Luke 10, we see a, a different kind of example. We see Mary. And verse, <clears throat> I think it's in 30, 30 something. Okay, in verse 38, now it came to pass as they went, and he entered into a certain village that a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Mary sat because she was interested in the word. She sat because she wanted to hear the word. But Martha was bothered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left uh, for me to serve alone? And he bid her and bid her there. No, bid her. Therefore, you tell her to come help me. That's the gist of the conversation. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. In other words, you're careful about, you know, you, you, you got it going on. You got a lot of stuff going on here, but there's one thing that you lack doing right. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from her. So here you see a, a, an example of distraction and lack of focus, not allowing somebody to get close enough to the master to be changed. Mary chose to listen to Jesus' word. And that was the flow of the Spirit of God is stronger toward hearing the word when he speaks than it is any other thing that's going on. So Mary is really just going with the flow. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not sure what the the tradition was at that time, but um, women were not that considered to be, you know, active in the synagogue, active. You know, you see women like Anna who prayed day and night. She was a widow. She was dedicated to God. I mean, then you see in the the epistles where they talk about widows who are widows indeed. They give themselves over to fasting and prayer. You know, the church should support such women. But you're not real sure if Martha is a little out of place. I mean, Mary is a little out of place here. Because she's sitting there apparently with the rest of the men listening to the master teach. And you're not sure how common that was. Because the men were considered to be the heads of the households and responsible for the spiritual growth and training of everybody in the house. And so for her to sit there and not help her sister, you know, of course Martha thought it was their job to get the the meat, the meal out. And that's true. But Martha, where you been all day? Why you all of a sudden start fixing stuff when Jesus is there teaching? Just a thought, okay? For those of us who are stuck on fast food. Real food requires preparation. Requires thought. Planning. Many things, just a thought. You understand what I'm saying? 
And so, but this is common with people, church people, all people. One person's working and they think they're the only ones doing anything. And then they condemn somebody who's interested in the message. You got me? And so it's, it's something that, that bears examining, but also how's Martha even getting anything done if Jesus is teaching and everybody in there is absorbed in what he's talking about? She should be sitting herself and listening to the master. Maybe she would learn something a, a few books over when her brother was in the tomb and she didn't have enough faith to believe him to even get well, let alone get about the tomb. Got me? Of course, Mary didn't either, but you know what I'm saying. She was working on it. You got me? And so so here we have a, a example of somebody getting close enough to Jesus to hear his word and to focus on what he is saying. It's interesting, too, that Mary was at the tomb where Jesus was the morning when he was raised from the dead. And she anointed his his uh, head with that ointment. And Jesus explained to people, she's anointed me for my burial. So she may have been the only person there that believed he was going to die and that he would be raised up because she showed evidence that she had faith for both of them. Amen. And so these are things that, that in, in, okay, so she's not sick and need a healing, but she needs to be close to the master for other reasons because she has a key role in making sure that there's evidence that he's raised from the dead and that te- testimony goes out to everybody. Amen. And so these are, are important things that your closeness to the Lord matters. It will pay off for you. The time that you spend getting closer to him, understanding, talking to him, uh, getting answers, putting answers, uh, questions toward the Lord so that you can get answers. Those are all very, very important in, in getting your healing. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9. We'll do one more. <clears throat> and this is after uh, Jairus' daughter after Jesus raises her from the dead, amen. Uh, let me see. In verse 25, 24, he's at his house. He says, he sees all the people making noise and, you know, having to wake and all that and the casseroles. And he says, give place for the maid is not dead, but she's asleep. And they laughed him to scorn. So he put the scorners out. The Bible says, cast out the scorner and you will end all strife. You got people that go behind the pastor's back and mock them. You get them people out of commission. Don't talk to them, isolate them, whatever. Don't, don't have dinner with them. Leave them alone. And strife will, you'll have peace in your congregation. He says, when the people were put out, he went in, took her by the hand, and she arose, and the fame thereof went abroad to all that land. As he was departing from there, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came, so they followed him quite a ways, stumbling making their way the best they could, struggling. 
I know we have compassion. We don't like to see people struggle. We don't like to see them blind. We don't like to see them deaf. We don't like to see people who who are disabled. Your heart goes out to them. But also those people have a strength in them that maybe we'll never see until they struggle against their weakness. You got me? And struggle to get better. And that's what faith does. Faith struggles against weakness. It struggles against whatever it is that's keeping it from manifesting. So these men followed him. Why didn't Jesus stop and turn around and heal them there? Because it wasn't time. Their faith wasn't ready. So when he was coming to the house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said, Do you believe that I can do this? Faith has to be expressed. It has to be acted upon. All of that has to be done. And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. He didn't touch them before they expressed their faith. He touched their eyes after they said, yes, we believe. And their eyes were open. And he told them, he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. That's why you struggle sometimes. To get your faith to the place where it can bring in the manifestation, can hold on to the manifestation. And then when you get the manifestation, if he tells you don't tell nobody, don't tell nobody. Because the devil will take it right back if you tell it ahead of time. Amen. And so many times they Jesus would leave them with this. Don't tell anybody. Amen. And allow in, in other words, allow your healing to totally manifest. Allow it to marinate. <laughs> allow it to get settled in. Allow it to get firm and confirmed. And, you know, you quit testing it to make sure it's real. You know, we do that sometimes when we get, you know, we get something from God. Or you get a change in your body. You know, you say, oh, okay. I can move it around a little bit more today. You know, it's a little stronger today. It's a little more this, a little more that. And and get it confirmed so that your mind doesn't think to test it anymore. I think when you get there, oftentimes it's it's settled. Amen? And then once it's settled, you can't help but tell somebody. Because these people only held their peace for a short time. Once it was settled in them, they, they went telling everybody anyway. But but praise God. He wants us to get closer to him. Sometimes just for the fact of being close. That's always good. But it pays off because you'll receive what you need from the master. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for giving us your word. And we thank you for great understanding that comes with your word. Thank you, Lord, Lord, that your word is settled in heaven. It's true everywhere. There is not a place in the universe where your word is not true. And we thank you for it, Father. We bless you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. And we honor you, Lord. Jesus, you're so real to us. You're everything to us. You're our provider, our friend, our comforter, our confidant. You're our counselor. You're our help. You're everything that we need, Lord, and we so love you for that. So we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for everything that you're doing for us, blessing us, helping us, keeping us, keeping us strong, keeping us encouraged, keeping us saved. (laughs) That's very important. 
So we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer in here, I'll pray for you before we disband, and then I'll pray for people on the